season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. To the JKR podcast today, we have Arizona native, former Kane shortstop and third baseman, and 2023 UCLA signee Rock Chalowski on the JKR podcast for the Canes baseball series. Rock, super super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Hey, of course, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, but no, before first question I got for you before we dig into your baseball career, same question I like to ask everybody. For those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Rock Chalowski? Oh man, I'm born or born in California, raised in Arizona. I lived here my whole life. I mean, grew up playing as many sports as I could: baseball, basketball, football. And I mean, my life's just been surrounded by sports, and that's just kind of been what I've fallen back on for the last 17 years. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm big on the whole staying active and kind of getting out there, doing as much as I can while I can. So I mean, I just love to get out there and have fun. Okay, so, you know, born in California, there in Arizona, West Coast kid, but you're playing for a team that's based out of the East Coast. Let's dig into the Canes baseball program. Kind of take us through just your travel baseball experience and kind of how you got connected with that Canes baseball organization. Yeah, so uh, I really didn't start off playing travel ball until my sophomore year. It was uh, going into my sophomore year after uh, the summer after I committed to school that uh, I played my first tournament on the East Coast. You know, I'd always kind of stayed local kind of easier on my parents too. I mean, not charging hundreds, thousands of dollars to go play on the East coast and play against all those, those top ranked kids and play against the best competition. But I mean, I'd always kind of stayed local up until then kind of wanted to finally see myself how I stacked up against those guys. So uh, I head out to a uh, Lake point for my first tournament. I think it was August of my sophomore year played in the uh, Wilson premier with uh Sandlot, my local team that I always playing with growing up. And uh, I mean, just seeing all the big teams out there was definitely a little intimidating. But I uh, obviously wanted to see how I could compete with those guys. And then uh, it wasn't until my uh, sophomore going into my junior year summer that I really got on the national uh, the national side of travel ball. I ended up starting off my year with uh, USA Prime National. And I mean, they were great to me. I love those coaches. And it was it was an awesome experience. But I mean, after that year, I kind of realized that there's, there's better options out there for me personally. And uh, I went out of my way and uh, hit up Canes and DM them on Instagram, just kind of asking how I could get a tryout or how I could get seen to, you know, play for their national team. Cause the year before I'd reached out to, and uh, I got asked to play for the American team. So I ended up just going over to USA prime and kind of hoping I could prove myself that summer and come back the next year and see if I could put me on the national team and a, had a pretty big summer my sophomore summer, so uh, hit up Canes again, you know, right after the summer ended. I was kind of looking for a new team, and they hit me back. They're like, yeah, like, we love what you have. So, I mean, they've, they've been super great to me. They trusted me since the day that I texted them back after the summer. You know, I kind of waited the whole summer to get back to them just because, I mean, that was my end goal. I mean, you see every kid out there in every tournament pulling up on the bus. They're, they're all swagged out. I mean, everyone wants to play for Canes. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a big goal my sophomore summer was to just kind of have a big year and put my name out there and hopefully get the chance to play for them. 
Yeah, so that first summer when you reach out, you know, they're like, hey, you can come, you can come play for us, but play for Canes American. You come mm-hmm. back that next year and actually do play for Canes National. What was that like? You know, just figuring out, okay, like I've proved myself here this past summer. I'll be playing for, for Canes National, kind of my goal going into last summer. Kind of take us through, you know, when you find out, okay, I'm playing for Canes National for my 17-year summer. Uh, it was definitely surreal to start because, I mean, you don't you don't usually DM a Instagram account that big and expect to – response back as fast as I got one and I mean once they gave me the go and had the call with my parents and uh what's it called Gitson and Petty and just kind of getting all the logistics set out and I mean they were super generous to me and it was definitely it was definitely uh I was super antsy to get the summer rolling I mean it was towards the end of summer or school ball so I mean I was obviously trying to finish that out but I mean I was just super excited to get going for summer ball so you mentioned Gitson, you mentioned Coach Petty there. Um, you know, playing for one season for the Canes, you got to play underneath Petty for pretty much the whole summer. Kind of take us through some of those relationships you have, you know, with Petty, with Gitson, maybe some of those other coaches on that Canes 17U coaching staff. Just kind of take us through some of those relationships you built last summer. I mean, I had a great relationship with Coach Petty even before, I mean, I got on the team. Like, I mean, he'd hit me up, ask how I'm doing, ask how certain guys are. I mean, I kind of built a strong relationship with him before I'd even met the guy. So, I mean, he was just super, super good to me always. And I don't think that there was anything else that I'd change about with him. I mean, Gitson, I had a super short relationship with him, but I do trust him because, I mean, he he was very generous to me at the start. Uh, I mean, Coach Mustaine or Jarrett, Jay, whatever we call him, we got, we got 20 names for him. He was – awesome the entire summer I mean he was the big organizer he set up everything for us he had everything laid out for us the second we got up and he was a big part in the summer I mean he does a lot of he does everything behind the scenes and I mean the whole coaching staff and the whole staff that they had there just it made everything run super smoothly it felt like we were playing for a big league program just kind of we had everything laid out for us yeah so playing for Canes National there your 17 you 17 you summer playing for USA Prime there your 16 you summer you know two of the probably top five programs here in the country when it comes to travel baseball if you can kind of compare just that summer with USA Prime compared to you know this summer with the Canes baseball program kind of take us through you know what that comparison is between both those programs Uh, it's not even it's not even a comparison I mean USA Prime they were they were ran phenomenally great coaches great organization great players but I mean, it's just a complete step up. Like, I mean, USA Prime, obviously, we show up a day before the tournament starts, get a quick practice in, and and then we're just playing for four or five days straight. And we're showing up on our own. We're showing up whenever, obviously, just getting stretched out by ourselves. I mean, with Canes, it was strict schedule. Everyone mandatory to be there a day or two before uh, – or two days before the tournament starts. Wake up the day before the tournament. We got to practice. We got breakfast. We got – strength and conditioning coaches who I still work out with every day. I mean, he sends me workouts every day and I'm doing them. But, I mean, we had a full routine that we'd go through from 6 a.m. till 3 p.m. when all our games were done. So, I mean, they just ran it super tight and they were definitely trying to get us ready for the next level because I definitely feel like after this summer I'm I'm way more prepared for what's to come. I mean, they just – they got everybody and everything to make us better ballplayers. So on the on the throwing it back to the regional side of things. So you know, before you went to USA Prime, before you went to the Canes, when you're playing out there on the West Coast, a lot of guys that I interview here in the Midwest and the East Coast, and I, you know, I know the majority of these big time, you know, regional tournaments. But when you're out there out west, when you're playing for a regional team, you know, what are some of those bigger tournaments to be a part of, you know, beyond going down to Atlanta for maybe the WWBA? 
Um, just what are some of those regional tournaments looking like? Uh, the West WWBA and the closer to the fall is probably the biggest one that we play in down here in Arizona. I mean, it's it's the same setup as the one in at East Cobb, but I mean, nowhere near the competition. There's a hundred some teams that are there. Same setup. You play four or five seeding games, then you got a one loss elimination bracket. But I mean, all the big teams are going to East Cobb. It's it's really the there's a there's three four like top dogs that end up going to the West one just because they want to obviously see more comp. But I mean, it's it's nowhere compared to what the East Coast has to offer. I mean, I don't think that's just talent based from West and East. I just think that there's more of a natural draw to play on the turf in East Cobb and play that big complex rather than playing out in Goodyear, Arizona, where it's an hour and a half from everything and you're playing on dirt fields. I mean, everyone loves the turf. Yeah. Um, so now your travel baseball career, you know, has come to an end. Just looking back to your times, you know, playing on the national level, playing on that regional level, if you can maybe pick, you know, two to three just favorite memories that come to mind, you know, whether that's doing something pretty cool on the field, maybe hanging out with some teammates that you've built relationships with, you know, what are some of those just memories that come to mind when you're thinking of travel baseball? First is always the bonds that, I mean, I've built with kids. Never would I have looked back in five years and thought that I would have had 20, 30 friends from completely different states. I mean, our Canes team, we had probably no more than three kids from the same state. I mean, we're all still in touch. We all still text all the time. I actually went out and visited one of my friends who's living in Mississippi just because I got so close with him over the summer. But, I mean, the bonds and the friendships that I created the last two summers were something that I'll take with me my whole life and guys that I'll have to fall back on if I ever need to. And then bus rides were 10 out of 10. I mean, that, that bus was amazing. There was even a time where we took it 13 hours from North Carolina to South Florida over overnight. We ended up doing like 10 hours and then stopped in Daytona, slept for like four hours, and then uh, finished out the morning to get to West Palm. And then we ended up playing later that day. But, I mean, just kind of having that time before the game with all the guys was definitely something I wouldn't change. Yeah. So you yeah. mentioned you mentioned one thing that you know puts the canes on top of on top of everybody. It's just the organization that they have. Um, but you know, when it comes to just looking back at this past summer, just uh, with you being an insider, you know, what do you think has led to that cane success? Because obviously, you know, Coach Petty has built a monster there up in the East Coast. Just kind of take us through with your through your eyes, kind of just seeing the day to day, how the coaches kind of go about things that has led to that you know that canes baseball program success. The guys that they've produced. I mean, there's been the amount of guys that they've popped out from that program is insane. And it's obviously just, it's super, I mean, it's obviously recognizable when you see the C and you see the yellow and black and you see all of them pulling up. But I mean, just the big leaguers and the guys that are getting drafted and all the guys that are successful in college baseball right now that have came through that program, just kind of come to show how good of a program they are and how well of a staff that we have. So when you went from, you know, that regional level to that national level, going to play for USA Prime, playing for the Canes National, you know, you're finally getting that opportunity to play with guys who are kind of your same caliber. Kind of take us through when you're playing with guys who are all headed to Power 5 schools, you know, future draft picks. How are you kind of going about, you know, picking their brains, maybe picking up some knowledge on the game of baseball, kind of seeing the way they do things? You know, just kind of take us through, you know, how you're, you know, picking their brain, building your knowledge through some of your peers. A lot of conversation, a lot of visual reps. I mean, definitely going from the regional side to playing on a national level. 
I mean, you got to step up your game, obviously. And I felt like surrounding myself with guys at the caliber that they were at definitely made me a better baseball player the last two summers. I don't think that I'd be nearly as good as I, w- I am right now without seeing that competition and having to compete with those guys. Because, I mean, Petty was stri- Coach Petty was straight up with me the first day that we talked. Told me I wasn't going to start every game at shortstop. I wasn't going to hit in the top three if I wasn't performing. I mean, everything was performance-based. So, I mean, just talking to those guys and getting their standpoint from the game definitely made me a better player and have a higher IQ just because, I mean, those guys do know a lot. And I, I'm sure that they took some stuff for me too. I mean, we all come from different areas. We all play the game different. But, I mean, just surrounding myself with those guys definitely made me a better baseball player this summer. So when you are playing, you mentioned how, you know, guys on that Canes national team are from all over across the country. When you did get that chance to play on that national level for the first time, did it kind of come with a culture shock? Because I'm sure you're playing with guys from Florida, from Georgia, maybe some guys up there uh, on the, the upper northeast part, maybe some Midwest guys as well. Was there maybe a culture shock there a little bit when it came to playing with them for the first time? Yeah, everyone's different. I mean, I, I haven't heard a country accent as strong as making Winslow from – I think he's from North Carolina. I haven't heard a country accent as strong as his in my entire life. And hearing him talk for the first time made me laugh a little bit just because it was a shock to kind of see how these guys live too. I mean, they all come from great families. I mean, hanging out with the families too was awesome. Get to go out to dinner with everyone's parents if they're in town. Cause I mean, a lot of guys would travel alone, but when we got the Florida kids like Jacob Gomber, Christian Rodriguez, who are two completely different kids from everybody else. We got guys from the Northeast, like Duke McCarron. Like, I mean, everyone was just different. There was there was no two guys, two, three guys that were the same. Yeah. And, I mean, just kind of putting us all on the same team was – it was super fun because we had a little bit of everything. Yeah. See, see, I talked to Macon yesterday. I didn't think he had that big a country accent. I've talked to – I've talked to a couple other guys who I think have played with you in the past who when I jumped on a call with them, like – because I used to do this, you know – without zoom i used to just mm-hmm. audio only and i have to and i mean i've never talked to these guys on the phone before it's all through text well i'm hopping on a phone call i'm not going to say the guy's name but he hops on i'm like like what the like what the hell like most you know alabama accent you've ever heard i believe you've played with them well i don't know but cup um, what is it dylan cup it's not cups actually is, cups oh. is cups is loud cups is he's got a strong one okay you, did you play with coleman mizell when you were with usa prime Okay, so I guess I guess I guess you didn't play with him, but I know he played. He's a 2023 play for USA. Mm-hmm. Um, and first time I got on the phone call with him, I was like, well, it just blew me away. You know how much of a accent he had. Uh, but no, I mean, yeah, I'm from the West Coast. I never hear him. Yeah. So I mean, having having making talk, I mean, it it sounds thicker than anything I've ever heard. Just because I mean, we don't really get that out here on the West Coast. I mean, we got a bunch of surfer guys. When I'm out in Galley and down here, I mean. Everyone sounds normal to me. I mean, we don't really have any guys that have a country accent. Yeah, like I'd say, I'd say like up in the Northeast, like New York, New Jersey, kind of gets me sometimes. Um, I've talked to, I've talked to a couple guys from Wisconsin, and they have like extreme Canadian accents, which is kind of Dylan Questad has a. We we tease him how he talks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's let's go ahead. Let's kind of transition to, you know, the summer last year, you know, 17 new year is when all you guys get that opportunities to play in the All-American games, all those different types of showcases with scouts, you know, all over the place. First one kind of dig into 
all-star game showcase at Dodger Stadium. You know, you're facing up guys you know, against, across the country, guys who are all going in that first round potential. I mean, all, you know, future draft picks. Kind of take us through that experience, kind of how you found out you were going to be a part of that event and kind of take us through that day as well. So first how I found out, I, I actually thought that I didn't get invited because I saw kids had posted their invites and I was checking through my emails. I was checking through my parents. I couldn't find anything. So I wasn't sure that I got invited to that. And I was super bummed out because I mean, that's all-star weekend. You want to be out there. I mean, I'd been to one all-star weekend before in my life and it was 2015 and I'll never forget it. I mean, that was a great time, but I mean, there were, it was probably four or five days where I was panicking, checking my email. And then I finally was like, oh, I was like, all right, I didn't get in. And then when I found out, I mean, it was, it was super surreal to just kind of wrap my head around being able to play at Dodger Stadium during All-Star Weekend. I mean, because L.A. is one of my favorite places. I mean, I'm going to school out there. I love the area. And just thinking about being in L.A. while an event as big as that is going to happen, let alone I'm going to be playing at the stadium that they're having All-Star Weekend at, was super hard to wrap my head around at first. But, I mean, once I got there, it was – I mean, it was eye-opening. I mean, we, we hop off the bus – they fly us out there. We hop off the bus. They pick us up from the airport. First thing we see is Andre Ethier sitting in the lobby, just checking, checking in. And so that was, that was definitely eye-opening, just walking in and seeing a big leaguer right there. He was our coach the next day. I didn't even know it. And then, I mean, we wake up, have breakfast. There's four big leaguers. I mean, I'm seeing guys that I see on TV every day just sitting in front of me, having breakfast with us, talking to us, and trying to get us hyped up for later that day that we're playing. I mean, it was, it was, it was definitely surreal to be there and just kind of have that experience even before the game. And then, I mean, showing showing up to Dodger Stadium, even it being my second time, was definitely crazy. I mean, everyone dreams of playing at Dodger Stadium, playing in field, whatever, hitting at Dodger Stadium, and getting to do that for the second time was amazing to me. And I know my my mom loved it just because, I mean, that's her favorite thing is seeing me have fun playing baseball. So, I mean, that event was put on great, showed up, had a great BP session. I mean, the best 40, 50 kids in the country are there. And, I mean, you just got to show what you have. I mean, the game was awesome. I mean, saw some of the best arms I'll ever see, especially at this age. It It was a super competitive event, and it was just a great time. So with Andre Ethier, you know, as your coach, you know, you mentioned there's a bunch of other major league ball players walking around, kind of getting a chance to talk to you guys. You know, when you're around guys like that, you know, getting an opportunity just to talk with them, you know, what are some different ways that you're maybe picking their brain, maybe a couple of questions that you're asking them just with, the, you know, all the experience that all those guys have had within them, within their major league career, you know, what those conversations kind of look like, how are you kind of picking their brain? A lot of talking and listening. I mean, I, I feel like I ask more questions of those guys than they want to hear. I, th- I kind of feel like I do annoy them with how much I ask just because I, I really do want to know how they got there, how they handled everything and kind of what their viewpoint is on certain things. I mean, I, I remember asking Andre Ethier how he dealt with his senior year and how he dealt with that ASU just knowing that he was the center of attention and had guys that were there to specifically watch him and make decisions on him that are were going to affect his life. I mean – He's showing up to the park and there's scouts there that are watching his every move, just kind of see, asking him how he handled it and him telling me that he really just didn't really put any mind to it and just kind of went out there and did his own thing. 
was super helpful to me because I, I've kind of implemented that into myself this year. Uh, I've been super goal-based this year. I mean, I'm not even worried about the draft right now. I mean, I got plan A, plan B, school and call or school and the draft. So, I mean, one of them works out, one of them doesn't, whatever. But, I mean, my main goal right now is to have a big year and win another state championship. And just kind of the conversations with guys like that have kind of geared my head towards that and helped me a lot. Yeah. So you said that was your second time playing there at Dodger Stadium. You know, before we started recording, we kind of dig, dug through that, you know, that first time there. Kind of take us through that event where, you you know, you were in that Brewers uniform playing at Dodger Stadium. Kind of take us through what exactly that event was, kind of how, you know, the atmosphere and kind of what that experience was like. Walking on the field for the first time was insane. I mean, I, I, I didn't even have my phone out the first time taking a video because I was just trying to soak it all in. Uh, it was early in the morning. Uh, there was still dew on the field. It was wet. And, I mean, the, the stadium just – it was all lit up from the sun on the yellow seats. And, I mean, that's something that I'll never forget. That was the first time I'd ever played on a on a big league stadium. And, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and change anything. Walked through the first time. I remember walking. We entered from the left field line, walked all the way around a third base dugout, and it probably for about 10, 15 more minutes I didn't have my phone out to take a picture. Mom, first thing mom tells me when I leave the hotel that morning or my friend's house that morning was take a lot of pictures and send them to her. And I'm sure she was a little upset that I, I waited a little on that just because I was trying to soak everything in. Yeah, I'm sure. So beyond Dodger Stadium, you've also gotten that chance to play in at least two other MLB stadiums. I'm not sure if there's maybe more. Those PG National, PGL American events kind of take us through PG National here to start out, you know, kind of what that experience was like, how you kind of played. Obviously, it must have been pretty damn good if, you know, got invited to the Perfect Game All-American Classic. But just kind of mm -hmm. take us through both those events and how, the, you know, the PG National kind of led to the Perfect Game All-American Classic. So I found out in, uh, I think it was May, that so they, they've they done the past few years, uh, the state that's holding the uh, All-American Classic, they'll uh, – take one All-American before the uh, summer even starts. So the year before me, it was Mike Romero because it was at Petco. And then uh, this year they uh, let me know in May, and we had this whole thing at Chase Field. So, I mean, I wasn't as nervous as I probably should have been going into Tropicana for a PG National. But, I mean, it was still a little nerve-wracking going up there, seeing 50, 60 scouts piled behind the plate. But, I mean, after I mean, we showed up early in the morning, Quick showcase day, you know, five, six ground balls, eight swings, nothing great. Like, I mean, it's the basic showcase thing. I'm not a fan of showcases. But, I mean, eight swings, six ground balls, run 260s, and you're done, basically. Just kind of did my thing there. I wasn't trying to do too much. Not trying to hit home runs. Not trying to throw the ball as hard as I can. But, I mean, I, I, was, I was super lax once I settled in, obviously, because I didn't have the pressure of – not making the All-American game, just kind of riding on my back the whole time. But, I mean, definitely in the game, you don't want to just go out there and, and lay down because you already got what you wanted out of it. So, I mean, I was I was still going out there trying to get what I can. So, I remember first AB, I hit a double, which kind of set the tone for my next two days there. I mean, barreled a loud double in Tropicana. I mean, it was loud. Like, I mean, that dome just – it echoes everything. I, I hit the ball and I was – I was shocked at how loud that came off my bat. Got a double. I remember getting another knock and sitting on a curveball. Getting, I think I had three knocks that weekend. Played good defense. Had like one or two ground balls. I mean, it's showcase baseball. You got to split with 30 other kids who are shortstops and 
you get minimal IVs just because there's so many kids out there. But it was it was a good time. But I mean, I was just my head was geared toward all American. Like that's all I was waiting for after the last tournament with Canes was done. So you know when you're you're going to events like this, you know the All Star Game All American, Perfect Game All American. You know what are some of those relationships that you're building with guys? You know beyond the Canes baseball program, guys that you know you're not you're not playing with you know, all last summer. Kind of take us through just some of those relationships you've built with guys across the country. I mean, there there are things that I'll there's guys that I've met that I would have never guessed that I'd ever be friends with them just because I mean I obviously I was late to the whole. Uh, travel ball process. So, I mean, I, I'd, I'd see these kids on Twitter and I'd see them on Instagram. I'm like, kids are pretty good. Like, I mean, get a play against them, whatever. But, I mean, I built a lot of relationships. Uh, I mean, very close with Campbell Smithwick. Obviously, he was on Canes, but kind of having him at the All-American game in uh, Dodger Stadium was amazing. Uh, All-American, PG All-American, we got to stay. Same hotel, whatever. I mean, we got – the players' lounge there was – was a lot of fun. I mean, it brought a lot of us close together just because, I mean, they knew what they were doing, putting four consoles and a bunch of ping pong tables there because we were going to get after it and kind of compete with each other. So, I mean, just getting to hang out with those guys in the off time when we're not playing because, I mean, we're only playing one game when we're at these huge events. I mean, they're, they're things that I'll never forget and I'll always take with me just because, I mean, there's a lot of people that, I'm going to see at the next level, whether it's college or pro ball, that, I mean, having those relationships are definitely going to go a ways. I'm sure. So let's go ahead. Let's make that transition to high school ball. You did just mention, you know, state championship here before there in Chandler, Arizona. Take us through you know, these past couple of years, kind of leading up into your senior year and kind of, you know, give us that outlook on you know, this uh, this current season you guys are in right now. You know, so, I mean, we're, we're, Hamilton's a big powerhouse. I mean, always – as long as I can remember, I've always seen them in the national ranks. Every year that I've been here, we've been a top 25 team. Uh, so, I mean, we have seventh, eighth grade feeder teams that lead into high school baseball. It's kind of a first look thing. So, I mean, we got started as early as eighth grade and uh, played on a summer team with the Hamilton eighth grade team. SCBC is what they call it, South Chandler Baseball Club. And we spend three months with them and the coaches rarely come out and see us play and we have a class, so it's a six-hour class, it's baseball PE, and uh, as a freshman, you can only get invited into it. Not all freshmen get into it, so that was my whole goal at eighth grade was to make it into sixth hour so that, I mean, most kids that are in sixth hour, it's JV or varsity. So my whole goal my freshman year was to play shortstop on the JV team, and uh, I had a super good fall, or a super good summer, led into the fall, and uh, by the winter time, coach pulled me aside and let me know that I got a chance to make the varsity team not as an, not as a left side infielder though so i ended up working out at first base the rest of the time being before tryouts made the team first base i mean that was probably one of the greatest high school teams i've ever experienced i mean played against played for scene uh that was covid year so it was kind of a heartbreak i mean we finished out number one in the country but we only played eight games so playing first base was definitely different that year it was definitely different for my baseball IQ standpoint, I learned a lot playing first base. And then my sophomore year, I uh, had a heartbreak in the playoffs. I mean, we work from July 25th when we start school all the way up until state championship May 17th. I mean, that's why guys are popping in, popping out, going to D1 schools. Sophomore year, got right back to work after football season. 
ended up starting that third my sophomore year at a heartbreak in the semis to a pretty good pitcher, probably a first rounder next year out of GCU. And then uh, last year was a season like, I mean, a season that I'll never experience again. I mean, we had 12, 13 D1 guys. Everyone played, everyone was good. A lot of competition. I mean, we dropped, went to that NHSI tournament in North Carolina. Kind of seeing those teams in that comp was definitely good for us to see how we stacked up against them. And uh, the playoff run was not, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, we lost a game, two games in, had to fight through the loser's bracket the whole way. And I don't think that any summer ball event that I've experienced compares to winning a state championship with the kids that I grew up with. I mean, I've always loved playing for my school. I mean, it's great to represent Hamilton and kind of play for them and play for my city whenever I can. And just winning a state championship with those guys, it, it, it means more than anything that I've I've done at the baseball uh, at, for a baseball standpoint so far in my life. Yeah. So you said playing baseball down there in Arizona. You know, when you guys start school last week of June, you guys are working all the way up into that state championship game. With you playing football as well, while also, you know, being down there in Arizona where baseball's king and you're always playing baseball, kind of take us through, you know, what your schedule is kind of looking like in that fall, lead into that winter, and, you know, as you guys are ramping up into that spring season, kind of take us through what your kind of schedule looks like, you know, high school-wise. So, I mean, my schedule the past four years have been – football in the fall and then day after football's done I'm right at baseball but I mean those guys are working basically the same thing that we do when I get back I mean Monday Tuesday it's infield drills infield work everything gloves and then Wednesdays and preseason are off because we don't have six hours of class Thursdays are our long days or two hours and we're taking full BP and Friday it's a short BP but I mean that's every week from the first week of school until the last. So, I mean, the work that we put in is, is it definitely translates to how many state championships Hamilton's won and the national rankings. But, you know, I, I've always been geared football in the fall, those four months from all the way from August to December. And I'm lifting with them every day, you know, practicing three hours a day. We'd go from school, we'd lift for about 45 minutes to an hour, have our whole weightlifting program watch some film and then go out practice for like two hours. That was Monday through Saturday. And then a uh, day after we lost in playoffs this year, next Monday, we lost on a, a Friday, I believe next Monday I was out at baseball and it was, I mean, I took a week off just kind of for my body, but I mean, I was still out there trying to get my arm in shape, getting kind of doing glove work, just not going full force. But I mean, since then it's, it's Monday through Friday, baseball practice. I mean, I'm at the gym right now. The second that you and me hang up, I'm about to go work out with one of my buddies on my team, but it's been, it's baseball, workout, hit, eat, sleep, wake up, do it again. I mean, I'm, I'm super schedule based and time based. So I, I'm out of baseball by 4.30. I make sure to get to the gym by 5.30 or 6, get my stuff done, go hit, go home, eat, and then sleep. I mean, I'm, I'm rarely home now just because of how much time that I've been investing into the whole baseball thing this past year and it's definitely more than any other year just because I think I've kind of realized that if I put my mind and body to it that I can do something with this rather than you know it's just a if I really feel like that this is reality now and it's getting really close to it I mean the drafts in four months I, I move into college in seven months or six months so I mean it, it's just kind of 
all getting real and I want to prepare myself as best as I can for that. So it's, it's been super packed. Yeah. So with this, you know, this spring, you know, being super packed, obviously, like you said, you know, four months from the draft, six months away from college moving day, if you guys get there, um, you say that this 2023 has been very goal oriented based. You're kind of looking past, you know, what exactly could happen this upcoming summer. You're just looking into, you know, this spring that's going on right now, leading into the summer into potentially into the fall as well. You know, what are, what are some of those goals that you kind of were talking about earlier? First one's obviously win another state championship. I mean, I, I would love to get that feeling back of winning a state championship and just kind of being around my guys and sharing that moment with them. I mean, that's goal number one. It always will be. Number two, I mean, I want to make All-State. That's kind of – I mean, the past two years or three years, I've made second team All-State, and that's kind of – I've kind of held that with me just because, I mean, I I feel like that with the years that I've been having, I feel like this is the year that I should – be up there and hopefully I continue to play the way that I am so that I could get that accolade but I mean that's not the main goal obviously when a state championship is uh want to win Gatorade that would be a big thing for me to win Gatorade player of the year this year I mean I got a whole whiteboard in my room with 20 goals on it that I I mean I have it hanging up right by my door I make sure to see it you know it's I, I let me think I got Gatorade player of the year state championship up there in big letters uh, first team all state. I want to get up to 205 pounds before I move into school. So I got six more months to put on another 10 pounds, you know, cause I want to get there if the draft doesn't work out and, you know, do everything I can to win a national championship there. Uh, want to win another gold glove. That's definitely, I mean, I pride myself in my defense. So that's, that's definitely a big one. And I'll come just have fun. Yeah. That's a big one I have on there too. So you mentioned there is one of your goals, you know, is to, is to get up to, you know, 205 by the time you make it to UCLA here in the fall. Kind of take us through, you know, what, what that workout routine kind of looks like, you know, whether that's the off season, whether that's in season right now, just kind of take us through that whole workout um, schedule. Uh, so I'm working out four days a week. Uh, I got my trainer who I actually got from Canes, uh, Josh Wright. He did, he worked with all our pitchers and he did our stretching and uh, arm care routines the entire summer, every day that we showed up. Uh, and I built a great relationship with him, and he's done nothing but good for me since I've known him. And uh, so it's a lot of agility and mobility stuff and just kind of it, – it's all baseball-oriented workouts. And then I'm definitely doing my own stuff, just trying to get stronger. You know, I'll hit back and by Mondays, tries and chest on Tuesdays. I'll usually take Wednesday off, and then Thursday I'll hit legs. And then Friday I'll just do whatever I'm feeling. And then I'll be sure to run every day, obviously, and just kind of get my body feeling right. But, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to get stronger on the baseball side rather than just trying to get big as a bodybuilder. I mean, because there's definitely a difference. I mean, there's a lot of core strength that goes into being a baseball player and a lot of forearm, tricep, all that stuff. So, I mean, just working out with Josh has definitely been beneficial to me just because – I've seen massive changes from the summer to now. I mean, doubles are turning into home runs. Singles are turning into doubles. Like, I've gotten faster. Just everything that he's been having me do has definitely benefited me more than anything else. Yeah. 
So, you know, on that on the field play, let's kind of move into that. You know, you are a shortstop, third baseman. You kind of that's kind of where you're doing all your showcase stuff at, you know, as you head to that next level, you know, whether that's this summer getting drafted or whether that's in the fall, you know, when you head to UCLA, you know, what what kind of is that plan there? What's kind of going through your mind when it comes to, you know, what your position might be at that next level? I'm doing everything I can to stay at shortstop. I have way more fun at short than I do at third. I mean, I do love third base, but it doesn't compare to shortstop. I mean, you're in the middle of everything. You're getting most of the action. You're always moving. So, I mean, I'm I'm obviously trying to get bigger and stronger, but I'm not trying to get to a point where I'm too big to play the middle of the infield. So shortstop is my is the most fun thing that I can do. I mean, that's the most fun that I have on the baseball field and anywhere else is playing shortstop, just kind of being able to always be moving being the center of everything and kind of directing things. That's, that's something that I take pride in. And I mean, I'm going to do everything I can to keep my body in that shape. So I'm, I'm hoping that I can stay as short as long as I can. If I have a long career and my body forces me to move over to third. Then I mean, it happens, you know, I'm, I'm really just trying to get to the next level any way I can. Okay. So I prefer to stay at the middle. Okay. So, you know, flipping it around to the other side, you know, when you are hitting, Kind of take us through that hitting approach. You know, you're walking up to that batter's box. You know, what's going through your mind? Kind of take us through, you know, what you're trying to do with each at-bat. Nothing. I I I make sure to leave all my thoughts in the on-deck circle. I mean, I'm obviously up there thinking about pitch selection and what counts I want to swing in, obviously where I want to do damage, what the situation is, whatever that is, and kind of get my, my swing feeling right. I mean, I have a whole routine on deck. I took two swings with the with the weight on before uh, the first pitch of the guy before me hits. And then first pitch, I'll time him up with the weight on. If there is a second pitch, then I take the weight off and I take I take 70% swings and just kind of feel myself being on time and getting my foot down on my hands in a launch position. But, I mean, the second that I leave the on-deck circle, I'm not I'm, – I'm C-ball, hit-ball. I mean, my, my approach is super simple. I'm fastball adjust no matter the count. I mean, obviously, I'm on a plus count. I'm going to try and do damage and try and hit the ball hard somewhere. And with two strikes, I'm obviously fighting, trying to put the ball in play and make something happen. But, I mean, I'm closed off stance, relaxed hands, short leg kick with a short stride. And, you know, I'm really a gap-to-gap hitter. So, I kind of try to maneuver my barrel on the box and just try and hit the ball where it's pitched. But, I mean, my whole approach is fastball adjust. I mean, because if you're not on the – if you're not on time for the fastball, you're not on time for the off-speed. And if you are sitting off-speed and you get a fastball, I mean, that's probably the best pitch you're going to get that entire A-B, and you missed it. So, I mean, my whole my whole goal is to not miss the fastball. So, with you being a C-ball, hit-ball, you know, type of uh, – shoot. With you having that, you know, C-ball, hit-ball type of mindset, you know, you mentioned your two-strike approach there. You know, what is that, you know, approach kind of change um, when it does come with two strikes, even though you are, you know, that C-ball, hit-ball type of mindset? Uh, with two strikes, I I I shrink my zone so that I don't chase, but I do fight off because I don't want to leave it into the umpire's hands. And I mean, it's it's still super. I mean, just be on time. I mean, if I'm on time, then I feel like I have the hands to get to any pitch, even to just foul it off. I mean, but I'm the whole goal is to stay alive at two strikes and put a ball in play and shoot a gap or hit some hard somewhere. Just try and get on base or obviously make something happen by putting the ball in play. So, you know, going through those mechanics of, of hitting, you know, kind of take us through, you know, from that load up to that load up to that follow through, just kind of take us through what those mechanics are kind of looking like and how you've developed those, you know, over time. It's super feel oriented. I mean, I had never had a hitting guy who had 
told me to hit a certain way or start a certain way. Uh, and it always kind of been my dad and I trust him more than anybody. And he had always just told me to do what feels comfortable. And if there's anything that doesn't work, then we'll figure out how to fix it. So I mean, my swings changed drastically over the past two summers, three years. I mean, I went into my first summer super upright with a big leg kick and an early hand load. And now I've kind of developed my swing to where I feel like I'm best at with a wider, wider stance closed off with relaxed hands. And I mean, not a big leg kick so that I'm still on time, but I mean, it's been super feel oriented, whatever feels comfortable. And I feel like can get me to hit every pitch in the zone. That has been my kind of go-to for adjusting my swing and, kind of getting to where I am now. It hasn't been super, you know, you're supposed to hit this way, hit this way. I mean, you, you look in the big leagues, there's there's no two guys with the same setup or swing. I mean, everyone's different in their own way. They obviously all have the same goal and all try to have the same mechanics. But, I mean, everyone's feel is different. So, I mean, there's no point in just trying to go up there and hit how you're supposed to. I mean, I go up there and just kind of, I figured out what feels right to me and that's what I go and set up myself in the box for It's just kind of feel comfortable and feel ready for anything. Okay. So looking into your game's entirety, you know, from that hitting side of things, maybe some base running, you know, when you're in the field playing shortstop as well, if you were a scout watching your game, you know, what would be that personal scouting report that you would write up on yourself? Plus defender, good arm, uh, gap to gap hitter powers, obviously not there yet. I mean, I'm a 17 year old kid. I'm not going to have, Plus power. I mean, there's there's freaks in our class that are just huge kids and generate a, a lot of power. And I mean, I don't. I know that I don't possess that yet. I do feel like over the years that I can gain the power side of my tools. Uh, you know, I'm a not plus runner, not plus plus runner. Uh, I definitely have a good feel for the game, and uh, I think that my biggest upside is my defense right now, and the biggest thing that I could work on is hitting. I mean, I don't feel like I'm a bad hitter by any means, but that's definitely the part of my game that lacks compared to my defense. Just because I feel like I'm a top defender in the class. And I mean, my hitting is, I feel like it's good where it's at, but it could definitely get better. So, I mean, that's, that's probably the downside to my, that's probably the downside I'd write on my scouting report is the power and just hit ability because I don't feel like that it compares anywhere near my defense right now. And I feel like there's a lot of room to improve with my hitting. Okay. So now with hitting and power kind of being those two things you're wanting to develop here, you know, before you head to that next level, you know, what is kind of your approach and what are some of those key things you're putting emphasis on when it comes to just those small details within your hitting within, within kind of the power as well? Obviously lifting, I mean, get the power. I mean, it's going to come as I grow too. I mean, I feel like that I'm, my body's not filled out nearly to where it's going to be in five years. So I kind of feel like just if I keep doing what I'm doing right now, that the power will come and I don't need to force it and try and get big right now. But I mean, the hitting, um, I've just been trying to do everything I can to see the ball wells, which I feel like I do very well. But I mean, just being on time this year compared to the last few years, getting an earlier load and kind of seeing the ball deeper has helped me a lot. So, I mean, the more that I'm on time, the better hitter I'm going to be because I feel like I have good enough hands to get to any pitch in the zone. So, I mean, if I stay on time and just kind of keep my swing and stay in my legs, 
then I feel like that, I mean, my hitting is going to skyrocket. Yeah. So, you know, as we talk about, you know, what you're wanting to do before you head to that next level, let's talk about that next level. You know, one of the options, go to UCLA this upcoming fall, kind of take us through this recruiting process. You know, what was it that landed you at UCLA when that recruiting process kind of got started? Just kind of take us through that whole, that whole recruiting process here a little bit. I mean, I had a super short recruiting process. You know, I was, I'd grown up always wanting to go to UCLA. I mean, I had family out in LA and Glendale and Burbank. So I'd grown up around UCLA. I mean, they went to UCLA and I'd kind of just set my mind that that's where I wanted to go. I mean, I'd went and visited the campus when I was little and I'd walk around and just kind of envision myself going there. And I mean, it was super short with them. I mean, I'd only been talking to four or five schools at the time because I had yet to get out to the East Coast and play in those big tournaments. So I was super I was super under the radar for most big schools. You know, I, I was talking to ASU, U of A, Oregon, UCLA, Stanford, but A&M uh, was probably the farthest east I had gotten was A&M, and that was the first school that reached out to me. But, I mean, this, UCLA offered me that night I committed just because, I mean, I had already built a relationship with those coaches, the months of calling them and – I mean, knowing that that was the spot for me, I kind of went into that that uh, Zoom call because it was it was COVID time when I'd committed. So, I mean, there was no in-persons, like none of that. And I was too young to be communicating with the coaches the ways that I can now. So, I mean, we set up a Zoom call through somebody else, and I kind of went into the call just thinking that if he gives me a fair offer, then I'm going to take it on the spot because there's nowhere else that I want to be. And – the relationships that I've developed with Coach Savage, Coach Ward, Coach Gallegos, Coach Berg, Weimer, all those guys since I've committed has kind of made me feel at ease with the, de the decision that I made at such a young age. I mean, I couldn't even drive yet by the time that I committed to school. Like, I had just turned 15. I just wrapped up eight games of high school baseball. I hadn't even played summer ball yet. Like, it was a super early decision for me to make, but the way that they have always kept me in the loop and – Text me. I mean, I text with the coaches once a week, if two or three times now with Coach Gallegos, just him kind of making sure that I'm doing all good and high school's going well, family's doing good. You know, I mean, the relationship that I've built with them since I've committed has made me feel good with the decision that I made super early in the recruiting process because, I mean, I really didn't get to go through. I didn't visit all the schools that I had been talking to. I didn't really – get to know most of the coaches as well as I probably should have before I committed. But I mean, I just kind of knew going into it that there was nowhere else that I'd rather be. So you know, let's throw it back a little bit before that night, you got that offer before that night you committed to UCLA, you know, you're, you, you mentioned, you know, Oregon, ASU, A&M, all those, you know, big time schools out there out West kind of take us through some of those initial conversations you're having with those coaches, you know, for the most part, or a lot of the coaches going about it that same way. Um, and then kind of for you, you know, being, you know, a guy not driving yet, you know, 14, 15 years old, you know, take us through what's going through your mind at that point. Cause I'm sure your mind's, you know, going all over the place, talking to a collegiate coach when you're still four years away from college, kind of take us through those initial conversations and kind of, you know, what's going through your mind at that point. It was definitely a little intimidating. My first call, uh, first call was with UCLA. I remember it was back in March. I was fishing with my friends at the lake and, uh, I'd gotten a text from my dad let me know that uh, to call this certain number in a little bit because, I mean, that's how we had to communicate was I had to call them or 
yeah, I had to call them. I had to reach out to them and they would just have to answer. Like we'd have to set up times through other people and all this other stuff because they couldn't communicate with me or my family. But uh, it was definitely a little intimidating uh, just talking to Coach Ward for the first time. Uh, couldn't stop smiling on the phone, obviously. I mean, it wasn't an offer back in March. You know, it was just kind of them telling me that, hey, we're here, we see you, and uh, we definitely like what you have to offer. But uh, just kind of hearing that definitely made me feel good to myself that I was getting to a point where I wanted to be in a few years. Because, I mean, seventh, eighth grade, I'm playing junior high baseball for my school, and I'm kind of just having fun. I'm picking up games whenever I can, just – just trying to have fun with baseball, not even worrying about the whole college side because, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really think it'd get real until my junior, senior year because, I mean, I was still little. I was 5'2 my seventh grade year, and then I shot up my eighth grade year to like 5'10, 5'11. And I didn't think I was going to grow much after that because my parents aren't huge. I mean, my dad's like 5'11, my mom's like 5'5. Five, five. So, I mean, just kind of talking to them for the first time was – it was a little intimidating just because – I didn't know where it was going to go with it. And it's obviously a college coach. I'm a 14, 15 year old kid. Like, what are they going to do with me? I'm, I'm young still. I'm four years away from going to school. Like, I mean, all that I can do from now to then is screwed up. So, I mean, I was definitely a little scared going into those calls with UCLA, U of A, Oregon, all those guys. And uh, they made it super easy to me and make me feel good about it by just kind of sticking around and kind of letting me know that they're still there. It wasn't like I called them and then I didn't hear back from them for two, three months. Like, I mean, they had all done a good job of making good relationships with me before the whole offer process started. And I think that made it a lot better. But, I mean, that was it wasn't easy calling those coaches and just kind of trying to wrap my head around me being how young I was, having to talk to these these guys that can make decisions on my future. So you said a big part of, you know, choosing UCLA, you know, that night he gives you that offer was that relationship you had built, you know, with the relation with that UCLA coaching staff, beyond the the relationship kind of take us through maybe some of those key things you were looking for, you know, whether that's, you know, within the university academically, maybe the campus, just kind of take us through what exactly you were looking for, you know, beyond that relationship you had already built with that UCLA coaching staff. The whole thing that I really thought about before going into the college process was, I need to go somewhere where I feel like I can get better and somewhere where I can live for three to four years. So, I mean, the housing that they have for us there is second to none. I mean, the food there is crazy. And just the guys that they've produced makes me feel better about going to a school like that and working with those coaches because, I mean, Chase Utley and Brandon Crawford coming out as infielders of UCLA, I mean, that's it's probably hard to compare to. I mean, there's not many schools that can say that they've produced middle infielders at that caliber and have guys like that that have had that much success in the big leagues. So, I mean, just the huge thing for me was being in an area that I can live with and have fun with for three to four years because, I mean, it's college, obviously. And then uh, just knowing that I'm going to go somewhere that's going to make me better. All right, so, you know, being a guy that, you know, did commit, you did say, you know, it was right after you turned 15, you made that commitment to UCLA. I'm sure you were maybe one of those first guys in that 2023 UCLA recruiting class. You know, kind of take us through maybe, you know, when you did get that chance to play on that national level circuit, you know, were you maybe, you know, pushing guys towards UCLA if they were talking to uh, uh, talking to that coaching staff? Were you uh, maybe a, an advocate for UCLA at that point? I mean, it was kind of hard because, I mean, those coaches don't really leave the West coast. I mean, we got 
like the class before us, they had one kid that was committed that was outside of uh, Southern California, and he got drafted in the first round. He was another Canes kid, uh, Ian Ritchie. And he was out of Bainbridge up in Washington, I believe. And, I mean, it was super hard because, I mean, they don't really go anywhere but Southern California. So, I mean, I'm one of two kids that aren't – or one of three kids that aren't from Southern California in my class. So, I mean, seeing all the guys in the South and the East Coast kids, I mean, there's not really much that I could have done just because UCLA is super picky with the guys that they take and they – they just kind of like to stay on the West Coast. I mean, there's not much I could do for the recruiting side, but definitely talking to some of those Cali kids beforehand, like uh, actually one of the Colorado kids that we have, uh, I grew up with him, and he ended up flipping from Michigan to us this past year. And uh, I wouldn't say that that was my my doing just because he had always told me how much UCLA was his dream school, and he had always wanted to go there. But, I mean, they, they do a good enough job for me to not have to do anything. I mean, I would have been happier to help and put my two cents out there, but I mean, they do they do a great job with that. So, being one of those th- one of those three guys who aren't from California going to UCLA, you know, what are some of those relationships you have with some of your future Bruin teammates? You know, whether that's guys in the twenty three class, maybe guys who are already there, or even maybe some guys in that twenty four twenty five class, a little bit younger than you. You know, what are some of those relationships you have? You know, with your future Bruin teammates. I talk to some of those kids every day. I mean, I've already got my three roommates figured out. We, I talk to those three kids every day. There's guys on the teams that I'll talk to about just kind of how, how they're playing and kind of what the program's like. I mean, Cody Schreier, who's their shortstop right now, who's another Canes kid, uh, was my host on my official. And uh, just kind of having him being the shortstop for UCLA, just kind of living the life that I see myself living in a few years, is definitely nice to have because I mean I'm I'm Snapchatting him every day, just kind of I mean talking to him whenever I get the chance, just kind of asking him how the whole college thing's going and how playing is and playing for Savages. I mean I definitely talked his ear off on my official, but I mean definitely the relationship with our 23 class. I mean we got a big group chat we text in all the time. I talk to my roommates all the time. I mean we're all super tight knitted. We had two officials that we uh, split our 18 kids up, I think, on. I think we had eight on mine. And, I mean, we spent every second together, and we had a great time. So, I mean, just kind of going to a school like that with guys that I really do enjoy that I've hung out with outside of just recruiting trips and kind of UCLA-oriented events is super nice to have because I know that I'm going to have fun with guys that I do enjoy the next three, four years. Yeah. So, you know, that the fall of your senior year, I know you mentioned that official visit, you know, the fall of your senior year is kind of, you know, when that fun stuff kind of happens, you finally put that pen to paper on signing day, go to go to UCLA, kind of check out the campus, kind of take us through both of those things, you know, signing day, what that was like, you know, just officially, you know, finally making it official to be a future Bruin and then, you know, official, the official visit as well, going to that campus, you know, maybe building some relationships even more with some of your future teammates, just kind of take us through those two couple things as a senior. Signing day was awesome. I mean, I had seven other baseball players on my team signing the big D1 schools. So, I mean, I wasn't alone, but it was it was nice to finally put pen to paper and make it official because, I mean, from my freshman year up until November of my senior year, it was just verbal. I mean, there was nothing to it. I mean, it was just me saying that I was going there and finally making it official uh, and putting the pen to paper, just kind of putting everything to rest was a super good feeling to me because I didn't have anything to worry about anymore. I mean, 
finish out the school year on it, obviously, and kind of keep my grades up. But I mean, that was that was a great feeling, and definitely something that I knocked off the bucket list, signing to a Division One school that I definitely dreamt about since I was a little kid. And then the official visit was, I mean, that was a weekend that I'll never forget. I mean, we're out there for USC weekend, so big festive. I mean, we show up on a Thursday. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we showed up on a Thursday. Uh, they had the weekend planned out for us every hour. I mean, we were we were busy from 7 a.m. till 1 in the morning. I mean, we'd go 7 a.m., wake up, breakfast with the coaches, have a great time with them. They walk us around campus, show us the baseball field, kind of show us where our classes would be, show us our living, you know, the dining hall, all that good stuff. And uh, then got to hit up lunch, kind of checked everything out again, and then uh, shot over the baseball field where they were playing their uh, fall three-game series. And we actually got to see a pretty good game. Uh, it was game three of their blue-gold series, and Ethan Gorson had a walk-off home run to uh, win the series, which is pretty fun to see because, I mean, all those guys, I mean, they're teammates, obviously, but they were getting after it. I mean, they were going at each other. Uh, took our official visit pictures, which is obviously fun. But, uh, you know, I got to hang out with the guys, have dinner later that night with the guys on the team and just kind of pick their brains and see what they go through every day. And, uh, I mean, the relationships that we built with the kids on my official and the kids on the team made a way better experience just kind of having those kids there. And then, I mean, it showed how much that it benefits because we had guys that were on the official three weeks before show up to the football game with us on Saturday. I mean, we had everything, everything you can imagine on that official. I mean, free food, you know, football game, tailgating, hanging out with the team, just kind of them showing us what, what their life is. And it just got all of us super pumped up for college. So playing USC that weekend, UCLA versus USC, you know, since you've been committed, you know, both those schools planning on making that trip to the Big Ten here in a couple years, you know, with you being a guy potentially going to UCLA, you know, what when you heard that, you know, kind of what were your thoughts on that? At first, I was super – I was a little upset about it, to be honest, at first, because, you know, I I love the West Coast. I mean, growing up here my whole life, fell in love with it. Nowhere – I mean – when I grow up, I want to live out here, whether it's California or Arizona. I want to stay on the West Coast. But, I mean, just kind of learning about all the benefits that we're going to have by going to the Big Ten and the marketing and the NIL and more TV time, just kind of putting ourselves out there, uh, makes me feel better about the decision that us and USC made. I mean, at first it was definitely like, why are we doing this? Like, Pac-12 is a great conference. I mean, there's Stanford, Oregon State. Like, U of A is good. Oregon's good. Like there's all these premier teams in the Pac-12 that we're playing against and just kind of moving over the Big Ten was definitely a shock. But after learning about all the benefits and all the good things that are going to come out of it, I mean, I'll still have my freshman year in the Pac, but my sophomore year when we move to the Big Ten, I mean, it's going to be nothing but good for us. I mean, the traveling is definitely going to be a lot, but I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, you might you might feel like a, a little jacket as well. You know, the Midwest the Midwest baseball is a little bit different than down there. And uh, yeah, I might have to wear some college. sleeves. Yeah, um, we had a we had a game today. It was forty two degrees. Um, because I was I was heading to class. It was it was like three thirty with a four o'clock game. Mm-hmm. And because I go I go to Indiana. I'm not sure if you know that. Okay. But I go to Indiana Big Ten school, and I'm walking back from class. It's like three thirty. Game's about to start, and I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, shoot, it's it's forty two degrees right now. These guys are you know. 
I'm like, who? Some of you. That's that's you, what I wake up to. Yeah, some of you UCLA and USC guys, you know, it might it might it might take a little bit to get used to that. Uh, but no. Um, so just a couple more baseball questions here for you. Um, so obviously where you're at right now, you know, I'm sure there's been a ton of influential people within your baseball career. But kind of take us through, you know, maybe if you had to choose, you know, two to three people who have been the most influential, who would those people be, and what would be the reasons for them being so influential? Number one, my dad, obviously. I mean, he played, you know, top-level college, was a first-rounder, and, you know, had a good career, and uh, now he's a scout. So, I mean, I get to see every side of it, and I get to hear his experiences and kind of what he went through and what he still goes through with uh, these kids and just kind of his job and just kind of getting it. I mean, I would tag along on his trips when I was little, and I'd go watch all these high school. Like, I mean, I remember watching Nolan Gorman when he was in high school against Matthew Libertor, who are two of the top prospects in baseball right now. And, I mean, just kind of having him as my right-hand man growing up and still there, I mean, he's done nothing but make me a better person and baseball player. So, I mean, having him in my life is huge, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. Uh, definitely Coach Petty and Coach Kramer. Uh, coach Kramer was my USA Prime coach, who I still talk to to this day and I have a lot of respect for, who I've gone through a lot of stuff with. And Coach Petty, uh, the – the relationship that I built with him and the uh, the loyalty that he's shown me, even with knowing him for, I think, a year now, has kind of gone a long way, long way and shown me that relationships that you have with people do matter and that uh, he's always going to be there for me looking out for Petty, Petty and Kramer have been great to me. I mean, good relationship with both of them, and they've done nothing but look out for me. And, you know, I still talk to them whenever I get the chance, just kind of ask them how they're doing or, you know, just kind of shoot the shit and talk about anything with them because those are two guys that you can have any conversation with. I mean, even even the pitching guys. When I see the pitching guys that I didn't get to hang out with much this summer, like I saw, I remember seeing Coach Mills out in area codes, and he was nothing but great, nothing but fun. I mean, they're every the two coaches, three coaches, whatever it is that I've had the past two summers have definitely been influential on me and have molded me into the guy that I am today and then definitely my agent. Uh, my agent's done – more than enough for me and he's shown me nothing but gratitude as long as I've known him and I trust him just as much as I trust anybody and uh he's definitely put me out there and marketed me more than I would have ever expected and he's doing a great job and I I can't wait to have another 20 years with this guy I mean those are probably the foremost influential baseball people that I've been around my my entire life definitely my dad Kramer Petty and then uh Joel Wolf, those are my guys. Okay, so you know, you talk about your advisor. I definitely want to dig into that. Just a couple of questions there briefly, but first off, your dad being a scout. You know, you going on those trips with him. You know, now you kind of going through that process of. I'm sure you know scouts are probably going out talking to you here this spring. You know, what type of benefits do you think that brings to you of already having maybe that experience of your dad as a scout going on some of those recruiting trips with him? kind of take us through, you know, that and kind of what's going on right now on the whole draft process when it comes, you know, scouts maybe coming out and talking to you. It's made it a lot easier because I kind of geared my process with the scouts that I waited. I told them all they can wait till after football season, do all the in-home meetings with me. I gave every team about four or five weeks to get in from Monday through Thursday for their meetings, gave everyone like an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it was, and just kind of having my dad know all these guys and uh, have them be like his coworkers and 
all those other guys has been super nice because I've made it clear that I don't want to hear from them during season and I don't want to have them bother me while I'm worried about winning a state championship when my my goals aren't geared towards the draft right now. I mean, I'll be worried about the draft from May 18th to July 7th. And then after that, um, from July 7th to – or July 9th, whatever it is, up until September when I'm moving to school, it's all about school. Like, I mean, there, it's just – I'm not worried about all that right now. So kind of having my dad be there to moderate everything and kind of let everyone know that what my goals and what I'm worried about right now is high school baseball winning a state championship is helping a lot because they do respect him and they respect my uh, decision to just kind of lay everything off and kind of live out my senior year. Because, I mean, I'm still a 17-year-old kid. Like, I mean, there's not a lot of 17-year-old kids that really go through this and have to worry about guys coming in their house and guys showing up to their games. Like it's, it's a blessing, but I do like to have the idea of just living out my senior year, just kind of having fun with my friends and playing baseball for my school one last time. So he's, he's been super helpful ever since this, it all started. Mm -hmm. So you did mention your advisor, you know, like I said, you know, that's what I'm trying to be once I graduate from school here in a couple of years. So when I get a ball, ball player like yourself on the podcast, I always kind of like, you know, dig into that whole selection process, kind of what was going through your mind, kind of take us, you know, briefly through what that process kind of looked like and maybe some of those key things you were looking for as guys were potentially reaching out to you. You know, it started my sophomore year. Uh, I had one agency come out to my, uh, one of my fall games. And I remember they'd asked to take me out to dinner after so me and my family went out to dinner, and it was super short meetings, or not short. They were pretty long, but it was just like a one-time meeting, uh, get the gist of what they're all about. Obviously, they show off what guys they have, what they can do for you, all that stuff. So, I mean, it was – I mean, a lot of them just offer the same things. So, I mean, what I was really looking for was guys that I can I, – I know that I can rely on. If I'm ever going through something or if I ever really do need something that I can fall back on them and rely on them to help me out. So, I mean, when I had, I mean, they came in deep. I had Joel Wolf come in, who's, who my, who's my advisor, Rich Day, who's another one of my advisors, uh, Sam Samarja, Jeff Samarja's brother. Uh, he's Max's advisor. We're with the same I've, company. I've, I've definitely talked to Sam quite a few times, but Sam's my guy. Uh, God, he's great. But he came to flew from, Midwest and uh, Ben, uh, who's who works with a lot of the tech stuff and all that. Uh, I mean, just kind of seeing that they have all that to offer me and all those guys that truly do care about me. I mean, they came in the house and we talked for two hours. I mean, we probably talked about the agent stuff for 45 minutes, an hour. And then after that, it was just, it was just talking about everything. I mean, everything you can imagine. And I mean, after that, kind of realizing that those were the guys that, I could rely on for the next 20 years. If that is, uh, it was a super easy decision for me. I mean, there had been five or six companies that I'd been talking to at the time and they definitely stood out to me. I mean, a big benefit too is they're five minutes from where I'm living at at UCLA. So, I mean, if I ever really do need Joel, I can drive five minutes down to his, to his office and he's right there in Westwood for me. So, I mean, and just seeing, I mean, they represent, my favorite player in the bigs right now, Brandon Crawford, another one of my favorites, Nolan Arenado. So, I mean, they've done nothing but good for me since I've known them. I mean, I've, I've gone to top golf with Nick Madrigal. Got, I mean, built a relationship with him. And I'm going to go have dinner with Michael Toglia here soon just because they're setting me up to 
kind of learn from these guys that have been there and done it. And Joel's done it himself. I mean, he played at UCLA, gotten drafted, kind of done the whole thing. And I mean, now he's an agent and I have all these guys and resources that I can rely on and fall back on. And it's all because of those four guys right there. I'm sure. Well, I mean, I had about four questions about the whole selection process, but you kind of just answered them all there uh, just within that first little brief segment. But let's go ahead. Let's dig it. I just got four questions here for you. Rapid fire. You'll dig into the more side of things. Um, So, you know, first off, moving away from the baseball field, I kind of like to dig into, you know, passions beyond the game. So when maybe when you're, you know, maybe trying to you know get your mind off of some things, you know, what are some of those things you'd like to do beyond playing the game of baseball? A lot of music. I listen to music from the second I wake up to the time that I go to bed. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big music guy. I listen to really everything, and that's what kind of relaxes me before games, even when I'm just hanging out. Like, I mean, I can't do homework without listening to music. So uh, music's definitely a big, big part of my life that I, I like to use to calm myself and relax and just kind of hang out too. So country music big down there in Arizona? Obviously me being in the uh, middle. It's actually pretty good, yeah. It's, it's actually pretty big here. Okay, what's your we, what's your we favorite artist overall? Tough one. I'm a obviously. I mean, obviously Morgan Wallen. I'm going to his concert here in July. Uh, big Luke Combs fan. Love Zach Bryan. Uh, Luke Bryan's a favorite. Those are probably my my four most listened to right yeah. now. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, those those are pretty close to mine too. You know, I'm a big country music guy. If you can't tell with the American flag tattoo, like, uh-huh. I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty big country guy, obviously. But um, you know, '90s rap, country, you know, those are the probably the top two. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, but no, so digging into motivations here a little bit, you know, deep down, just internally, you know, when you're, you know, get out of bed every morning, you know, what is that? Just you know, helps you get out of bed, continuously evolve, just you know, continuously get better as a person, as a ball player. What are some of those things that you know just motivate you? Living the perfect life. I mean, I, I envision myself living that life in 15, 20 years of being a, a big leaguer, an everyday big leaguer who's, I mean, gotten to a point where he's just playing for fun now and he's made it. And that's just kind of what I envision myself doing and just kind of having that vision in my head and being able to put myself in that spot mentally kind of gets me going in the mornings and really gets me to get the work that I put in done and done good and not just, I mean, half-assing everything, just kind of putting my all into everything because I, I really envision myself being in that spot in 20 years. And that's kind of the whole goal. And that's the whole motivation is getting to that spot. All right. So down to, down to my final two questions here, you know, moving away from maybe the stuff that's not so deep, a couple, two fun questions to end it off. Obviously, you mentioned you know Nick Madrigal. You mentioned your your um, advisors who have played big league time. All these different guys that you connected with, you know, across your baseball career. If you could choose your coolest contact in your phone right now, the guy that you could you know, maybe text if you have his phone number, who would that coolest contact be? Ooh, I think it have to be Madrigal. I think he's. I mean, I think he's the only big leaguer I have my phone right now. Trying to think. I mean, Madrigal is a pretty solid choice. I mean, of everyone I've asked, I mean, Madrigal has to be a probably a top three, top two out of everyone I've asked. But um, yeah, I, I think it. I think it have to be Nick Madrigal. Okay. I'm. I'm hoping. For I mean, a- he was awesome. He's he's one of the nicest stand up guys that I've met. I mean, he was he was great to me and and my mom when we were at Top Golf. And oh, uh. 
not a guy that I have in my phone, but my mom does, who I'm supposed to meet here soon, is uh, Seiya Suzuki, guy who just came from uh, Japan to play for the Cubs. Okay, see, is he a Wasserman guy? Mm-hmm. He is. Okay, so I see that, where that connection's at. All right, man, so down to my final question here on the Jake Hare podcast. Same question I like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast, and that is, obviously, once you get to UCLA here in a couple of months, you're going to get that opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. Obviously, I'm sure you've heard about it, but if you could choose one dream brand to partner with, collaborate with, whatever it happens to be, what would that dream brand be? Nike, for sure. That's been the dream growing up. I mean, it's it obviously sounds basic. Everyone wants a Nike deal. But I mean, that's that's all I've grown, or that's all I've worn growing up was on the diamond was Nike stuff. I mean, I live on and off the field. Off the field, all I wear is Nike and Lululemon. But I mean, if I had to choose one, I'd I'd pick Nike in a heartbeat. I mean, I've worn, I wear the same, same cleats New Year. I mean, every time they'll come out with the Alpha Harachis, and I'll buy the high top pair every year. I mean, I got the new ones this year. I wore the new ones last year, I and mean, that's all I wear. And uh, I mean, just kind of. If I got that deal, it, I, I would I would feel pretty complete. Okay, there we go. You know, obviously Nike is a dream brand for a lot of people. I would say here on the podcast, Nike, Lululemon, probably 50-50 when it comes to number one, number two um, mm-hmm. of those answers. So obviously two great brands there. Uh, but no, man, that, that's the final question here on the J Care podcast for you. You know, super appreciative of you coming on the show, you know, giving me your time. I know you're about to go kill that workout, so, you know, good luck with that. But good luck the rest of this spring. You know, good luck as you go through this summer, you know, potentially getting drafted, uh, potentially going to UCLA, whatever it happens to be. You know, good luck with the rest of your career. Um, but like I said, man, just thanks for coming on the J Care podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh,